So on the last Pop Agriculture podcast, we started to explore this important question. Why are there pests? Why do farmers have to deal with various pests like insects or diseases that can damage or even ruin their crops? Last time we saw that the various organisms we call pests are not something unique to crops, but rather part of the natural order. They don't fit an idealized circle of life image of nature in benign harmony, but they are real nonetheless. But this week, we want to take the question a bit further. Pests may be part of nature, but are they a bigger problem than they need to be because of the way that people farm? Is this a case of things being out of balance? Let's talk about that in today's installment of Pop Agriculture. Last time we started by talking about the iconic song Circle of Life from The Lion King. That song and the imagery in that segment of the film capture an idealized version we have of the balance of nature. But then to make it a good drama in the movie, that harmonious balance gets disrupted because of the bad guys, Scar and the hyenas. And when they engineer the demise of the Lion King, Mustafa, the balance is thrown off and the whole ecosystem goes off track. Okay. This is a kid's movie plot with probably oversimplified good and bad guys. But the balance of nature is a legitimate concept. We have plenty of historical and current examples of how that balance can get thrown out of whack. We also have some great experience with what it means to reestablish balance. A cool example is when wolves were reintroduced as top predators into the ecosystem of Yellowstone Park. Once the wolves were back, there were big changes, not just with the populations of rodents and deer, but also with plant communities and even water quality in the river. Wolves kept elk moving so that they didn't overbrowse the willows by the streams. That meant more food for beavers and homes for songbirds. The beavers built more dams, which helped to recharge the water table and provided better habitat for fish. Ecosystems are highly interconnected. So what about agriculture? Would the issue of crop pests be something that would go away if things were better balanced? Could those systems play out as a circle of life? You may have heard critics of modern agriculture complaining about monocultures or industrial farming, and you've heard people saying that what we need to do is polyculture or permaculture or follow the precepts of agroecology. So is the issue of crop pests a problem of our own making? Well, like many of the topics we get into in pop agriculture, the answer is complicated. Some critics of agriculture would argue that the reason farmers have to struggle with pests is that they plant monocultures. Now, monoculture is one of those expressions that makes me think of the line from The Princess Bride, you keep using that word, I don't think it means what you think it means. The real issues to consider here are genetic diversity, rotational diversity, and regional diversity. Now, ever since the earliest days of human farming, there have always been very practical reasons for entire fields to be planted to a single crop. Whether it's for planting, harvesting, or for other steps along the way, it's most efficient to do things on a field-by-field -field basis. This has been particularly true as automation has allowed each farmer to do more and more. Unless you're going to use a great deal of hand labor, polyculture isn't really an option because what you might need to do for one of the crops might damage the other, 
and this has been true for a long time. We talked about the transition to automation and how it started in the early 18th century in a previous pop agriculture episode titled, To Till or Not to Till? That is the question. For some pests, the fact that there is a whole field of the same crop does make it easier for the pests to multiply and spread. But on the flip side, a uniform field makes it easier for the farmer to take steps to protect a crop at the right time and in an efficient way and not have unintended effects on the other crop. Also, it's not as if pests can only flourish in monoculture fields. I'm a gardener, and as any gardener can tell you, Growing a mix of several different crops, a polyculture if you will, definitely does not free you from the scourge of pests. Even though very few of my neighbors garden and I'm a long way from any commercial crop production, the pests don't seem to have any trouble finding my plants. It's kind of embarrassing that the garden of a plant pest management professional is such a good demonstration of the reality of pests. This is true even for pests that are quite specific to one crop. My genetically diverse polyculture is no magic solution for pests. It's a good thing that I only garden for fun and to add periodic treats to my food supply. There are a lot of very mobile pests. Insects that can fly quite a distance and fungus spores that can blow a long way in the wind. Even on the regional farming level, having diverse crops isn't going to prevent issues with at least some of these pests. There is, however, a common farming practice that helps with the kind of pests that don't get around all that easily, the less mobile pests. So back to the field-level monoculture thing. When we look at a typical modern agricultural field, just the fact that it's all planted to the same crop one year does not mean that it will also be planted to that crop the next year. Crop rotation has been a long-term farming practice, and it continues today. In the Midwestern U.S. Corn Belt, it's common for corn to be rotated with soybeans, corn, soybeans, corn, soybeans. In the Canadian prairies, it's common to rotate wheat with canola. So crop rotation helps with some of the pests, particularly ones that don't move very far and which either live in the soil or get through the winter by living in the field debris left over from the previous crop. A farmer can seriously mess with the life cycle of this kind of pest by changing up the crop that grows in a given field each year. Many pests are specifically adapted to attack a certain crop, and if they emerge and don't find that crop, they're toast. So even in the farming regions that many folks would characterize as monocultures, like the American Midwest or the Canadian prairies, farmers commonly rotate their crops, and by doing so, they limit at least some of the pest problems. Now, there is a real balance of nature issue that can affect pest populations in agriculture. It turns out that pests can also have pests. That's right, particularly for some insects and mites, there are other species out there that are predators or parasites of the bugs that we deal with as pests. These good guys won't usually completely neutralize the threat to a farmer's crop, but they can definitely help keep things under control. The problem is that some of the ways that a farmer might control one pest might hurt these beneficial organisms. For instance, there are certain predatory mites that can keep the population of crop-injuring mites pretty much in check. But an insecticide spray to control certain caterpillars might hurt the predatory mites too, so that the damaging mites become a problem. So controlling one pest can flare another one. Now over the last few decades, farmers have learned a lot about how to find ways to control the major pests of the crops and still get some help from these beneficial organisms. 
They can choose more selective insecticides or time those applications in such a way that they won't be disruptive. Sometimes farmers can even provide just the right plants at the edge of the field or elsewhere to actively encourage the development of a bigger population of these helper pests of pests, these beneficials. This sort of strategy is an example of what's called integrated pest management, and that concept too deserves its own episode. So attention to beneficial insects is a smart balance of nature strategy in farming. There's one last big reason that we have pests in agriculture. Turns out that humans often accidentally help pests get around, and by around, I mean around the world. One of the things that we have done throughout the history of agriculture is to move crops around the globe. That was one of the things that Michael Pollan uh, called a win for the plant species that somehow enlisted us as their protectors. By intentionally moving crops, we have often unintentionally moved the pests that then end up damaging the crops. Sometimes that's just been a case of letting the pest catch up with the host. That was the case for coffee in Java, Indonesia, around 1875. Coffee originated in Africa, and it was then taken to Java in the 1800s, and for a while it escaped a rust disease that bothers it in Africa. But when the rust caught up, it was a disaster, and it basically eliminated that industry. Sometimes it's been the issue of moving a new pest that happens to be able to attack a crop that never had the problem before. That was the issue in the mid to late 1800s, when Europeans accidentally brought both an insect pest and a fungal disease that had evolved on the grape species of North America back to Europe. And the Vitis vinifera grape, that is the species of Europe, had never sort of evolutionarily seen those pests, and so it had no defenses against them. So when these New World interlopers arrived, terrible damage was caused for the grape species in Europe until something was discovered as a way to protect them from it. This isn't just something that happened in the past. Somehow, around 2005, a new kind of fruit fly was transported to North America from East Asia. Now, normal fruit flies lay their eggs in fruit that's already been compromised, either by some sort of injury or beginning to rot. The female fly pokes the fruit with what's called her ovipositor and lays an egg, and it hatches, and a maggot comes out in the fruit. Now, the females of this previously unknown fruit fly, that we now call a spotted-winged drosophila, have an ovipositor, the egg-laying thing, that looks like a saw, complete with teeth. And because of that, these female flies are able to lay their eggs in perfectly sound fruit that isn't injured or rotting. And it's a very small hole, you can't even tell it's happened. Suddenly, many fruit crops in North America were at risk of being full of maggots about the time they get to consumers. It's a pretty yucky scenario, and a big problem in berries and cherries. Now that's one particularly nasty example of what we call exotic pests, or crop pests that have recently become new challenges for farmers around the world. With so much more international travel and trade, there are lots of new exotic pest challenges for farmers. Unfortunately, sometimes these pests get moved around by suburbanites who want to grow something in their yard. That's probably how the deadly Asian citrus greening bacteria got to the state of Florida and where it has since wiped out the majority of Florida's orange crop. So to recap, why are there pests in agriculture? Well, pests are part of the natural order, so it's not surprising there are pests of the plant species we've domesticated. 
And plants fight back against pests, and we can tap into many, but not all of the ways that nature has figured out how to do that. Still, for crops to serve human food needs, we have to have a higher standard for their protection than just what it takes for the wild version of the crop to survive. And no, avoiding monocultures isn't the big solution to pests. And farmers can and do use the rotation of crops to defeat some pests that can't travel far. But there are other pests that are going to find the field crops no matter what. One real balance of nature strategy is increasingly being used in farming, and it's to take steps to protect or enhance the role of what we call beneficials. These pests of pests can't take care of all of our pest issues, but they can be part of the solution. Finally, one of the reasons we continue to have challenging pest issues for farming is that a globally mobile society has a tendency to unintentionally move pests around. And these new invasive pests are just one more part of the challenge for the world's farmers. If farmers are going to produce enough of the food we need with the quality that we want and do so while efficiently using resources, they're going to have to continue to find ways to deal with pests. You can follow me on Twitter at GrapeDoc, at G-R-A-P-E-D-O-C, and visit my blog at www.popagriculture.com.